you know, I'm calling myself today, I'm an archaeology of the soul. I help people to connect to the moment that life got kidnapped by fear. And from that moment and on, people living as a reaction from reaction from reaction from reaction from fear. Once we're getting connected to that moment and getting complete with the fear energy that's sourcing us, at that point, we can live by choice and we can choose what we want to do with life. As a young mother, I experienced a paradigm shift that transformed how I saw education and ultimately the world around me. I started this podcast, The Luminous Mind, to connect with and learn from people who are disrupting the status quo in how they learn, educate, and live in the world around them. Prepare for a paradigm shift. Light a candle. Light your world. Benjamin Franklin said, instead of cursing the darkness, light a candle. You're listening to The Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Joel Hoke. Joel is an energy awareness coach and an emerging author in the healing arts. His book, The Eggshell Effect, reveals the story of how he discovered the source of his lifetime of illness and how he powerfully transformed his health beyond the limitations set for him by the conventional medical establishment. In his book and in his work with clients, he creates a space for others to become self-aware in a way that enables them to tap into their energy source, a source that empowers them to choose freely throughout their life's journey. He discovered his approach to self-healing while battling a severe autoimmune disease, one that had conventional medical practitioners diagnose him with a lifetime in a wheelchair. His transformation is based on the altering of his lifestyle, which includes a plant-based diet, spiritual awareness and connection, and emotional growth. This is leaps and bounds from his health as a boy. Born in Argentina in 1967, the son of a Holocaust survivor, he and his family immigrated to Israel when he was three years old, growing up in Kitzbitz. In his 20s, he traveled the worlds of South America, Europe, and the U.S., settling in Pittsburgh via New York. He has two grown children starting on journeys of their own. Joel is a lifetime entrepreneur, having worked in real estate and in-home sales. He now owns a marketing network firm, but his critical focus is providing energy awareness to others. In his awareness, he provides insights and tools for others to seek and find their own healing. Well, welcome, Joel. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm excited to have you here with us. Your book sounds fantastic, and your background and all of the stuff that you're doing with the energy, awareness as a coach and all that, I'm just excited to hear about your message. But before we get into any of that, can you give us a little bit more background about yourself and how you became interested in this energy wellness lifestyle? Sure. So, you know, for me to give a background about myself, I have to give you all the book all over. I will not do that, but I will just <laughs> give you the, I will give you a quick overlook. Uh, I, I actually, I born in Argentina, I grew up in Israel, moved to the state in my early 20s, in, in the beginning of in 90, I think 92, I moved to the state, been entrepreneur throughout all my life. I always own my own businesses. The actual effect really is something that started about seven and a half years ago. There was a dramatic time of my life that my life really changed and turned upside down. 
And about two years after that, the idea of creating the book came together, of basically sharing my story, sharing my life, sharing everything that I experienced and I learned throughout the pain, the suffering, the love. And this is really where the book came together. It took a long time. It took about five years to put the book together, but it is available now. And I'm really, really thankful and excited for that. I think it's amazing. Uh, Once again, we're talking with Joel Hulk, and he's written the book, The Eggshell Effect. I probably should have introduced that at the beginning. So he's been talking about his book called The Eggshell Effect. It's his journey from fear. But I I love these types of books that kind of come from our own pain and suffering, because I think that Uh, you have so much more, a deeper perspective maybe on on this issue versus somebody who's just writing a book off of somebody else's experiences. But maybe do you want to dive a little bit deeper into that background of where that pain and, you know, that suffering came from so that you can get a better idea about that? Sure. So about, as I say, about seven and a half years ago, it was the spring of 2013. uh, I received a call from my oldest sister in Israel, and she said, if you want to see mom alive one more time, you have to come now. At the time, my mother was battling cancer for probably about seven years. And I immediately bought a ticket and flew to Israel the following day. Luckily, I was able to share her last week of her life together, that it was very priceless and very, very special. I stay in Israel for a week after that. And I came back home to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, after two weeks being in Israel. And at the time, I was living with my two children from my first marriage and my second wife. And a day after I came back home, and my wife at the time said, I'm leaving. So within a week time, I lost wow. my mother and I lost my wife. That I loved them both dearly. And at that moment, everything fell apart for me. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't function. It just was very, very, very difficult time of my life. I barely probably could sleep two hours a day if I was lucky with 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Just kept going and going and going. Eventually, I asked myself a question, how did I get here? Like what happened to my life? At that point, I was 45 years old, living in a city that never heard about Pittsburgh before when I was a kid. Never had really a dream even to live in the United States. This was never in my radar to actually accomplish anything like that. I've been running my businesses that don't enjoy any of them. My second marriage fell apart, being a single parent throughout all my life. My health at that point was considerably better, but still not a good health. I was still battling an autoimmune disease. Like, what happened? Like, what happened to my life? How life turned up to be like that? And I asked myself the question, probably one of the best questions that I asked myself throughout all my life is, how did I get here? Now, to be able to understand how I got here, obviously, I have to go back in time. And I went back in time slowly, slowly. It took me some time. But eventually, I was able to go back in time all the way to the last day of first grade as I finished first grade and the teacher walked around the classroom and gave all the kids the report card and the diploma for completing first grade and welcome to go to second grade. In my diploma, where it say, welcome to go to second grade, there was a black marker saying, Anna, Joel, you have to do first grade again. And in that moment, as a seven-year-old, the only common sense that they have is that smart kids go into second grade and stupid kids have to do first grade again. This was the logic that I have, and I'm not trying to use an inappropriate language, but this was my mm-hmm. thinking. And immediately I felt embarrassed. I felt living in a secret. I felt 
I bent it. I felt a million emotions just came all over me. And is, how do I survive life right now? Now, as a kid, I had to figure out quickly how to survive life. And I immediately made living a secret, living a bubble, living a, in a place that I will not sure about my shortcoming in school, like pretend that it's not even existed. Uh, I was eventually diagnosed with dyslexia. At the time, nobody knew what's going on. And I just had to continue figure out a way to survive school. I could not read and write probably until high school. And I still had to figure out a way how to survive life. Now, living in a constant fear and a constant pressure of I'm not good enough. When will be the day that my secret will be known and everybody will make fun of me that I can't read and write? It just this energy kept going and going and going throughout all my childhood. Now, this energy impact everything in our life, impact everything in my life. It impacts the friends that they pick up. It picks up the, the intimate relationship that they pick up. It impacts the jobs that I actually took on to do. Everything that I lived my life that I could actually see at age 45 was coming from the experience of a seven-year-old kid that is terrified it's interesting. To being left behind. Yeah. I think we all have that fear. Um, one of the other things that I want to talk to you about too is, you know, in your bio, we find out like, uh, not only did you live in Argentina, but you have parents that are Holocaust survivors. And so there's kind of an ancestry of fear in a way, because, you know, do you feel like that's played into it a little bit as well? Um, sometimes we pick up cues from our parents' past as well. I'm, I'm just going off of our last week's episode with Lucy LeBlanc, and, and she mentioned that. Do you believe that about yourself? Or? I'm sure it is. I'm sure that fears that we're picking up from our parents, fears that we're picking up from the news, fears that we're picking up from everything that's going around us, this energy is being absorbed in our body. It's being absorbed in our psychic. It's been absorbed in our well-being and it's been absorbed in our behavior. I remember many, many experiences of, especially living in Israel, growing up in a country that's been fighting since the day that I remember growing up as a Holocaust survivor. Now I'm too young to be a Holocaust survivor, but this is my mom and this is my grandparents. And this is my, I remember going to my grandparents' houses and sharing my time with them and listening to stories from the war and, and seeing people that survived the war and seeing people that have the two's numbers on their arms. And this was something that it was part of my childhood. At the time, I did not think that there's anything wrong with that because this is the only childhood that I had. <laughs> and I had nothing to compare it to also because everybody in Israel grew up like that. So this is, was a considered normal way of living. Only when I actually was able to move out of Israel and understanding that not everybody living like that, that not everybody experienced life like this and see the impact that this kind of social fear that we are living in is actually how impactful it is. But even if you're looking here today, Rebecca, in, you know, we are few weeks away from the elections and you can see how much fear going on in, in our society. Well, we've had a whole year of COVID as well, you know, that's been super scary for all of us. <laughs> and there, there's a lot of control behind it. It's, it's, it's extremely terrifying and who to believe, who not to believe. And there's just fear, 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 fear all the time. Now, this fear energy is impacting. I mean, if we're talking about COVID, it's impacting our immune system. If we're yeah. living in a constant amount of fear, our immune system getting affected like that. 
Yeah, which isn't helping us get any better as well. But well, I kind of like to dive into that fear and how you help kind of move into that energy awareness and then how that's affecting your coaching. I mean, obviously, I think you've been successful. I think there's many of us that, you know, you were an entrepreneur and you were able to do all these other things. You moved from Israel to America, I mean, all over the world, but then ended up in America. So obviously, you're a person who was successful at many different things. And it was only at that, you know, critical point of when your wife left you and that you started to trace that back, that fear, like how has that impacted your health maybe and, and that energy kind of give me that background into that and then how you help other people as a coach with that. Sure. So one of the things that growing up, not able to read and to write, I remember as a kid, I say, when I'm getting married, the important thing for me is that my wife will know how to read and write. Now, this is a very low threshold for picking <laughs> up a soulmate. But as a seven-year-old, like as an eight-year-old, like this was like, what would they do if I have kids and I have to do homework with them? I will not be able to do that. Hmm. Now, for granted, I grew and for granted, I still was able to eventually get better and, and still figure out ways to live life without the frill. Today, I read much better than I read before. Writing is still a challenging, but today there's so much technology that you don't even need to be able to write to be able to communicate with writing. But growing up, this was my thinking. Now, the point is that this is still sourced me for many, many years, way after I actually make this choice subconsciously. And that my first marriage fell apart, and, and then my second marriage fell apart, and traveling throughout the world to basically ending up in the United States. There was always fear over there. I was just not aware of that. Now, my first marriage was very difficult because my two kids that were born from my first marriage, I became a single parent in the very early uh, stage. My son was probably a few months old in the first time that my first wife and I got separated. So I've been a single parent throughout all their life. Wow. And running multiple businesses, living in a country, all my family was in Israel. So it wasn't just being a single parent with grandma and grandpa living 10 minutes outside of my house and my sisters can come and help. It was literally being a single parent 24 seven. But to be able to survive that, I had to depress my needs, depress my wants, and really focusing on the kids and focusing on my businesses. And when I stopped taking care of myself, as far as it, as far as my well-being, as far as my wants, I depress myself. I depress myself from the needs. And eventually my body say, listen, if you, if you don't give attention to me, I will make sure that, that you will give attention to me. And it took many, many years for me eventually. Uh, I was diagnosed with MS that my doctor said, hey, Joel, you will be living in a wheelchair within 10 years. And this was 12 years ago. Wow. Uh, so all this is things that the energy of fear and the daily struggle and the daily fear and the daily, it's impact my body. And I believe that it's impact every person's body. Mm-hmm. We are body, mind, and soul all in one. Even that there are three different words to this, we are one thing that including body, mind, and soul. And if we're not taking care of all the three, something will fall apart. Yeah. Definitely. And then how did you decide to kind of move into being an energy awareness coach? I mean, you had mentioned that your other businesses, you weren't necessarily happy in them, but there must be something that's helped inspire you to feel like you can help other people with this. 
So when I start healing myself, people will come because at the time I was barely walking. Oh, wow. And then I sl- slowly, slowly, I start walking back. I used to walk with a cane. Obviously, I eventually I let the cane go. Eventually, I was able to, to run 5K, 10K. Uh, two months ago, I made a goal myself. I will walk 100 miles for the month, and I walked 125 miles that month. So eventually, people actually saw me start walking and start getting better and say, hey, Joel, what did you do? What happened? In the beginning, I would direct them to the doctors that helped me to start walking again. But eventually I realized that it's not only about the doing, eat this, don't eat that, drink these vitamins, drink this water. Like, this is a big part of the healing, but the part of our being, who are we being? What's sourcing us? There was no one doctor that I could send anybody to help them to do that. All the doctors that I could send them to the alternative healers that I send them they were great at supplements. They were great at nutrition. They were great in many, many ways to help friends and family, but they were not able to connect to their being. And then I start working with people and they say, I even did not start working. All what they did, I was just sharing my story. Hey, this is what I found out that happened to me when I was a child. And it's still impacting me today. And then slowly, slowly people would come to me and say, hey, I remember an experience like that. I remember an experience like that. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden I saw the need for supporting people to get to their point. You know, I'm calling myself today, I'm an archeological of the soul. I help people to connect to the moment that life got kidnapped by fear. And from that moment and on, people living as a reaction from reaction, from reaction, from reaction, from fear. Once we get in connect to that moment, and getting complete with the fear energy that's sourcing us, at that point, we can live by choice and we can choose what we want to do with life. Yeah. And do you feel like kind of going off that thread that there are common misconceptions that people have about the energy flow, you know, that's going on with them and their healing? We live in a very disconnected world. We seem to think like, oh, we need a doctor for our body and we need, you know, a, a clergyman for our spirit and we need, you know, but they aren't really adding all that together. How do you help people kind of come to that realization that there's this energy flow that might be the problem? So one of the things that I experienced, I went to a seminar when I was barely walking and the lady that ran the seminar asked me, Joel, what's going on with you? And I say, I have MS. Just for the record, today, I don't consider myself having an MS. I consider myself, I was diagnosed with MS. It was one man's opinion about another man's body, but it, I'm not walking around and thinking that I recover myself from MS or I had MS. Or, but at the time, when she asked me, I say, I have MS. And she say, you know, it's an autoimmune disease. And she say, you know, you brought this sickness on yourself. Now, at the time, I had no clue what she was talking about. But eventually, I realized what she was talking about. Energetically, we have in ourselves any sickness that we want to create to ourselves. We can create anything that we want to create. Now, the beauty of that, if we can create ourselves being sick, we also can create ourselves being healthy. Now, it's take work, it's take commitment, it's take being aware, it's take a lot of commitment to do that. However, it's possible to do that. I have a strong opinion about the conventional medicines and conventional doctors, and I will not get into this point. But what I do want to talk about is that we all have the ability to make ourselves sick, and we all have the ability to make ourselves healthy. 
Wow. Well, there's so much I want to ask about that because I think if somebody had said that to me, especially, I mean, you go to doctors, you're trying to get help, you know, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden you have finally figured out what the problem is. And somebody says, oh, well, you brought this on yourself. Like, how did you take that and not be offended by it? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that would be a common misconception that people might have is that, you know, uh, how did I create this? You know, like, how did you come to the idea like, oh, she was right about that? Now, the point is to look is consciously or subconsciously we made ourselves sick. Because if we are say, hey, consciously I made myself sick, then you can actually be mm -hmm. defensive, say, hey, this is not true. But if we say, look, it's not you, Rebecca. It's <laughs> your subconscious mind. It's something that happened to you prior you probably be aged. 10 years old, or maybe even something that happened when you were in your mother's room, or maybe it depends if you believe in past life. Depends on where you are. It's not something that consciously we are aware of that. Mm -hmm. I consciously did not make myself sick. Subconsciously, I made my life work the way that they work. It was all came from the fear that I had that I'm not good enough, that I'm stupid. I share with you what was the qualification for me to get married with a woman. Now, the woman that I married, the, the mother of my kid, she's a great woman, but unfortunately, she's battling with substance abuse. So she was not there. The reason that we got separated and we got divorced eventually, and the reason that the kids were with me is because she was not Healthy. able to, to be able to take care of the kids. Now, did I create this? No, I did not create that. But my qualification for a partner <laughs> was to be able to know how to read and write. Now, consciously, it's make no sense. Subconsciously, for a seven-year-old, made tremendous amount of sense. So we have the ability to make ourselves healthy. If we have the ability to make ourselves healthy, we have the ability to make ourselves sick. Yeah, definitely. And I love how you bring up the subconscious that kind of goes off of our last week's uh, podcast as well. So you talked a lot about our subconscious mind and how that can affect us definitely so it's just being humble and open to the idea that that subconscious is there and we make choices based off of you know i mean even though at seven you made that decision like i'm going to make sure that my wife can read and write you know and maybe there were as you grew a few more things that you added but that subconscious idea was always there and so it felt like a good idea to you but yeah but you helped somewhat create that situation just by and, that subconscious. And I want to point out, you refer to choices. I don't think that when we are sourcing ourselves from the energy of fear, we're making choices. We're making reactions. We oh, don't make interesting. choices. We only choose when we're sourcing ourselves from the opposite energy of fear that is the energy of love. We only freely choose life when we're sourcing ourselves from the energy of love. And this is what they do when I work with people is to get complete with the energy of fear and be able to freely choose from the energy of love. Because as a child, as a seven, like a seven-year-old and moving forward to be in my 20s, I did not choose consciously to marry my first wife. I was reacting to fear to be able to do that. So it wasn't a choice. Now... In the world that we're living in, hey, yes, I did chose that. It was a choice on the surface. It was a choice. Energetically, it was not a choice. Energetically, it was a reaction. Now to take a break. Are you new to homeschooling? Maybe you're a veteran homeschooler and just need some continued encouragement. 
I'm so happy to announce that the Idaho Freedom Action is sponsoring me in offering a free webinar. For a couple of years, I've been teaching coaching classes for an online school, and this year, in an effort to reach a larger demographic, I'm opening these courses up to everyone. These courses help give us a broader vision and better family relationships as we work through creating self-directed love of learning families. We are holding these classes every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time through the school year. To find out more about these courses, go to theluminousmind.net and sign up on our email list. You can also join us on Instagram or the Luminous Mind Facebook page to find out more information. Or just simply check out the link in the show notes for this episode. Recordings for these courses will also be available on the Luminous Mind Patreon page. Join us for empowered learning for families. Now back to the episode. That's interesting. So most of the decisions you feel like from the time until you were about 45 and tried to figure this out was very reactionary. Is that what you're saying? And then now that you've discovered this and you're working with this energy awareness that you're actually making choices now versus much of what you were doing before was just reactionary. Absolutely. You know, I I shared earlier that I've been entrepreneur throughout all my life. The only reason that I became entrepreneur not because I had the drive. There's a lot of people that have a drive to be entrepreneur. The only reason that I became an entrepreneur, my concern was that if I have a job and my boss will give me a report or she will give me a report and say, hey, in an hour, please come to the room and explain to us what the report meant. Or we want, we want a report in our desk tomorrow. And because my limited ability to read and write, I say I never want to be in a position that I will be embarrassed by another person to tell me what to do. So this was the only reason that I became an entrepreneur. Oh, In wow. this way, nobody will ever come to me and tell me what to do. Now, this is a completely reaction. Now, the outcome was a good outcome on the surface, but I was not happy. I was not building any businesses that I was proud of and happy to be a part of, but this was a reaction to fear. So not every reaction is necessarily on the surface a bad reaction or a bad outcome, but it's still a reaction. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. You know, you don't think about that, that so much of what we do is reactionary, even though, like you said, the outcomes may be good. And obviously we talked about your success throughout life, but a lot of it was very reactionary. So you said it took you like four or five years to write The Eggshell Effect. Is that correct? Correct. Um, Yeah. And why did you decide to write a book? You know, what did you find as you were like with, with the research and stuff of writing the book, maybe that is different to what you found other people saying? So this was the best choice. I mean, it's a great choice that I made to write the book. It's been a, an extremely healing journey to write the book. I recommend for anybody to write a book about their life. I mean, this is just an opportunity to reflect on our own life. I had no clue that I will experience such an amazing experience by writing the book. Now, again, I'm talking about me writing a book. I barely read books in my life. I I never, I can't write. So so even how did I write it? One of the reasons that it took as long, first of all, it took as long because it was supposed to take that long. This is number one. Number two is I did work with ghost writers to be able to make the book coming together. So the first ghost writer that they start working with, with a great working relationship, it's worked out perfectly. And we worked together for for probably over a year. And unfortunately, she got healed and eventually passed away. So there was a time over there that I was looking for another ghostwriter to work with. Eventually, 
took me time to find the right match to work with. And eventually I found Mr. Lee Ken to, to finish to work on the book. with. So it took time. It, it's, it does not happen overnight uh, to find the right person to work to, to share all the information, to put it on writing. And it, it, just, it just take a lot of time. Now, what they say took five years because it was supposed to. Because this book is about my life journey, until I finished writing, that it was about almost a year ago that I really stopped writing. At that point, we just worked on the book. I was still writing about stuff that happened to me right here, right now. And all of them are very valuable for the story and for the life journey. So I believe that it took five years because it was supposed to take five years because my awakening experience, my, my life experience, my aha moment, the people that show up in my life, that some of them showing up in the book had to show up in my life to be able to be part of this book. That's interesting. And sometimes our journey to healing does take some time, definitely. How do you think your paradigm has changed over time and with experience as you study these topics? And I feel like it's a very disruptive idea, you know, that we are healing ourselves from the energy that has been manifest in our life. But how do you feel like that paradigm's changed on this topic? So I will say two, two things about it. We are living in a microwave age time, you know. You can go to people, I don't have a microwave at home, but you can go to people that have a microwave at home and they're putting a dinner in the microwave that's supposed to take a minute and you still see three seconds left on the microwave because they're so hungry they want to eat right here, right now. Like what used to make an hour going into a minute and even people cannot wait for a full minute. It's true. So we're living in a time that we want results right here, right now. We're going to the doctors because the doctors can make the pain go away. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's a physical or emotional pain, they have the tools to make the the pain go away. Now, in an alternative healing, if it's a spiritual, if it's emotional, if it's a physical, it will take time to heal. And people don't have the patience and don't understanding that it will take time. It took us time to get sick. It will take us time to get healthy. It's like, why we're surprised that we're looking at that? It's just because we're living in a society that we want right here, right now, Either we have to go back to work, or either we have to take care of our husband, our wife, our kids, our businesses, whatever it is, we need to be back on our feet quickly to be able to keep moving in our life. Taking in healing, it will take time because it's take time to get sick. We don't get sick overnight. Now for granted, you know, there are accidents, there are people that things happen in a second, but obviously there's a great space and great room for conventional medicines to help people in that areas, but as far as sicknesses, autoimmune sicknesses, any sickness that we take in our body, take time together, it will take time to heal ourselves. So, so this is one point of view to look. The big paradigm shift that happened in my life prior to my awakening experience is that up until my awakening experience, I lived life as life of destination. I need to get somewhere, I need to be somebody, I need to have something, I need to, me, 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 and my kids and my business, and and I need, I want, I need, I want. And if I don't get to where I want to get, I will be happy over there, I will be happy over there. It's always about Mm -hmm. the next step. I will be happy when I have that. It was always a destination, lifestyle, and especially owning my own businesses, it, it was always keep driving and keep driving and keep driving. When my awakening experience happened and my life basically completely shifted, shift my relationship from a life of destination to a life of a journey. Everything that happened in my life is part of my journey. 
even sharing about it took five years for my book to get complete. I'm okay with that because this is what it was supposed to happen. It's the life of destination. I want my book out in 30 days. Like I'm not going to wait five years. Like it's need to make money. It's need to do this. It's need to do that. I am completely removed from that point of view as far that this is the journey. If there is any destination in life, the destination is the journey not to arrive because we never arrive. If yeah. I'm not today, I will not be happy tomorrow. I will not be happy when things are going to be a certain way. Happiness is a choice. Being fulfilled, being healthy, it's a choice right here, right now. So I think that the biggest paradigm shift for my life is shifting my life to a life of a journey. Now, this is semi-easier to do once this is open up. What was even harder is to accept other people's life as their journey. Yeah, that is hard. <laughs> I think that's a big struggle for our whole society, especially at this time, that we can't be very conscientious of that. I love so many of the things that you're saying. It's very, you know, a lot of people don't think of these as constructive ways to begin healing and gaining that energy that you work with. And I love how I just noticed the subtitle of your book is My Journey from Fear. So you even incorporate that in your book. But go ahead and let's hear about more of the messages in your book. You know, give me at least like three key points maybe of what somebody can find when they look at this book. So the purpose of the book is to support the readers to find their energy source, what make them be who they are. If they can ask them the same of the question is, how did they get here? This was a big question that I asked myself that completely transformed my life. So it's designed in a way for people to read by me sharing the story. And in the end of each chapter, there is an invitation to reflect. And at that moment, I basically asking questions the readers to reflect on their own life of what they read on the chapter. And hopefully they be able to go deep into their own life experience. And in the book itself, actually, there's room to write notes for the readers to really look into their own life. How did they get there? Yeah. How did I get here? Like what to do next? What I want? What, which energy sourcing my life? The point is that we all operating from the energy of fear. And we will always go to have fear energy in our life. The only thing is that we will regain power once we being aware that the energy of fear is sourcing our life. If we're not aware of that, we have no choices. We are just in a reaction. So what I want to do is help people through the reading of the book is to go deep inside, go see exactly how their life been operated from. What is the energy that's sourcing them? Once we're getting connected to the energy of fear, is to get complete and make peace with fear. I don't think that we as human can live without fear in our life. We always go to a fear. Yeah. However, if we are aware there is a fear, fear does not control our life. It's just, hey, I am afraid right now. Let me be afraid. And once I'm done being afraid, then I can choose. Yeah. Well, and do you feel like we kind of discussed this before we even start recording, you know, when we were talking about your background and, and how your parents were Holocaust survivors and grandparents were Holocaust survivors. And, and you were really cognizant to point out to me that, you know, you don't want somebody to look at your past and say, well, this doesn't apply to me because my parents weren't Holocaust survivors or something like that. But do you feel like fear is really what is holding a lot of us back in a lot of ways? Or do you feel like there are other emotions that maybe, you know, the book is my journey from fear, but do you feel like there's other emotions that might be holding somebody back other than fear? Or do you feel like that's the common denominator for all people? So like an onion, we have multiple emotions. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, these multiple emotions. But if we're really sitting down and looking at every emotion that we have in our life, and if we can look at the emotions that are what we can call not good emotions, not positive emotions, or anger, and jealousy, and depression, and any emotions that can come that we can categorize it as a, not a good emotion. And I'm taking it lightly because I don't think that there is such a thing, but just for the conversation point, all these emotions, if we stay with them, their source is some kind of fear. That's true. So we're afraid not to be good enough and not getting the relationship that we want, not having the job that we want, not having our kids the way that we, whatever it is, eventually if we're sitting clearly with ourselves, everything is being sourced by the fear energy. It's very true. Yeah. You know, I think about in my life too, at times in my life when, you know, I, I picked up fears and then kind of, like you said, they become a reaction. And some of those reactions have been positive in my life as well, but I didn't really realize until I was talking to you that maybe it wasn't necessarily a choice, but it was a reaction to that fear. That's great. Did we cover all the messages that you wanted to talk about? And you talked about that reflection with the writing that I think is very important. Any other things you want to talk about with the messages of your book? Rebecca, we can talk for the next three hours and we will not cover all of this. <laughs> well, I don't want to do that because I want people to definitely read it. But I think that really the book is designed for people that want more out of life, want less out of life, want to live in peace. And sometimes we want less things in our life. Sometimes we want more things in our life. And as far as shifting life to a relationship to life, to a life of a journey and not a life of destination, I think that one of the things that I talk about in the book is that when I realized that, and this was probably about a year after my second marriage fell apart, and it, and it was devastating. It wasn't, I mean, it took me a long, long, long time to get complete with that. But when I realized that my life is a journey, I could forgive, not only forgive, forgive and thanks everybody that showed up in my life, mm-hmm. including the people that caused me pain and suffering. If you think about it, you are who you are, I am who I am, thanks to everything and everybody that showed up in my life. So if I will go back and say, hey, I love my life, I love my journey, I just wish that this person or this woman did not show up in my life, that she will not do this, he will not do that, then my life will be perfect. If one thing will change in our past journey, where we will end up today will be in a different place. So because I am thankful and I'm happy to be Joel right here, right now, it's mean that I choose to be thankful to everybody and everything that show up in my life until now, even the people that cause me pain and suffering. So try to imagine we go to live in a life that if somebody hurt me or hurt you, we understand that they are reacting to fear. They're not really choosing what to do because they don't even aware of what they're doing because they just in a reaction after reaction after reaction. And they show up in our life journey to give us an opportunity to grow. How wonderful life will be if we will just go to surrounding ourselves with compassion and kindness to everybody else that say, hey, right now you showed up in my life, you caused me pain and suffering and I know that there's a lesson for me to learn here. And I'm curious to see what it's going to come out of it. Or also, hey, you showed up in my life and you brought love and joy. And I'm happy that you showed up in my life because there's an opportunity for me to grow and to learn from here. So accepting life as a journey for me, I had to accept 
everybody that showed up in my life up until that point and accepting everybody that will show up in my life. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I know this question I'm going to ask you isn't on the list of questions I gave you, but I'm feeling kind of inspired to ask you, but sometimes, you know, in parenting, we react and become the parents we are out of some kind of fear that we have in our lives. How do you think that we can take this message of like trying to build this fear, not to be reactive, but to have more gratitude in our lives for, you know, things that have happened in our lives and help our children maybe come to this a little bit quicker. Like you're talking about this awakening, it'd be amazing if we could create children who can recognize these emotions early and we spend decades sometimes just kind of living a very reactionary life. Do you think that's possible for parents to do? Or do you feel like there always is going to have to be some kind of awakening somewhere? And as parents that maybe we've got to just acknowledge that with our children as well. I, mean, I don't know. So, <laughs> that's a tough so, question. So I, I got it. The, the Buddha say that only through pain and suffering we grow. Mm -hmm. So there is pain and suffering that we will need to feel. Now, it could be that as parents, we're trying to minimize the pain and suffering for our children. And, and, I, and, and sometimes I, we make the pain and suffering worse because we're so protective of them that we're not letting them open their wings and fly, you know, type of thing. So, Correct. So, so I, I think that as parents, now I just want to be clear here that my kids been part of my awakening experience when they were in their mid-teens. So I don't know how I will apply this to younger kids. However, I think that they, I think it will apply in the same way. Is the willingness to be vulnerable is the access to freedom. Now, if we want to raise our kids free and open and accepting, they will learn of what we do and what we don't do. We can talk whatever we want, but kids will learn from what we're doing and how we feel. So if we are willing to be vulnerable with ourselves, and we are willing to be vulnerable with our kids and with the people that surround us. By us being vulnerable, we're opening the door for other people, including our kids, to be vulnerable. The okay. challenge is, is that being afraid is considered as a bad thing. Weak people are afraid. Like even as kids, like I, I remember being a child, if I would ever have the courage to say I'm afraid, the response is nothing to be afraid of or do it anyway or go through the fear. Nobody say, hey, you're afraid right now? Okay, great. Let's see what you're afraid. Let's feel the fear. So for us as parents is the willingness to be vulnerable is the access to freedom, including to our children. Because we're trying to pretend and we're trying to build a world to our kids that, that we got everything under control. The truth of the matter, we have nothing under control. But we need to be able to have the courage to say that to our kids. Because if we share that, they can come to us and say, hey, I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. This happened today in school. This happened in the material that I was supposed to study. I don't know how to deal with that. Can you please help me? Because they know that they can be vulnerable with us because we can be vulnerable with them. Yeah. We have to be very conscientious of that because sometimes a lot of us, we pull out the same reactions that we got. So to not use the same, you know, script, parenting script that we heard basically from our parents of like, oh, there's nothing to be scared of. <laughs> I love the idea, like, let's explore that further. So I'm going to make that a quote. I love that. The willingness to be vulnerable is the access to freedom. Did I have that correct? It, 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 correct. It's in the book. That's now, awesome. as, as parents, 
we usually, and I, myself include, we're either doing exactly what our parents did or exactly the opposite. This is really how we parenting. And neither can be good sometimes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> very true. Neither can be good. And it's not that we are bad parents, but it's that we are reacting to fear. So anything that we do is just a reaction, 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 reaction. We not freely choose. Exactly. And sometimes we're afraid to be a bad parent or to look like a bad parent in our peers' eyes as well. We will return to our show after a word from our sponsors. For the ultimate in backcountry comfort, check out the high-quality gear of Teton Hammock Company. Whether you're going on an overnight trip or a week-long adventure, the ultralight outdoor equipment from the Teton Hammock Company will keep you warm, dry, and sleeping like a baby. Their products are made of top quality materials that outperform all others. Check them out at tetonhammocks.com with an S. That is tetonhammocks.com. Hang with the best, Teton Hammock Company. Now back to the episode. I'd love to also talk about, you know, you not only have this book, but you have workshops that you do or speaking engagements that you do. You actually have a list of them on your website, which I think is amazing. You want to talk about maybe those workshops. Do they work hand in hand with the book? Do you want to read the book and then attend a workshop? Or would you want to do a workshop and then get the book? (laughs) What's the, give me some ideas about stuff that's going on with that. Sure. So the workshops are for small groups, for for companies, for for any social group, uh, for people that really want to drive into their own life and really get free. I think that, and I also do one-on-one coaching sessions as well. I think that reading the book can be the first step for individuals to really get value out of it for companies and for organizations. Sometimes there is dynamics that happen as a group that's really sourcing again. It, it, it's all sourcing from fear. So sometimes these groups can, can get the benefit of, of having the, the workshop and, together. So there's no right or wrong way to do it. Each person, whatever works for them, each organization, whatever works for them. The book is available on, on Amazon. So but whatever work, you know, people can start reading it and then they can read a chapter or two say, hey, I want to set up a obviously as a Zoom meeting right now and, and to see what we can create together and what we can benefit the organization, their, their social uh, group, or, or some people want to have a one-on-one meeting is available as well. Okay, that's great. That's going to be my question. Like the workshops are for individuals or for groups as well, like if you have an organization. So. Correct. That's awesome. Well, and give me some feedback. You know, what has people, what's been the reaction as you've been working with them? I mean, like you said, this kind of started organically. It sounds like where they just want to know more about your story, but then obviously there must have been some success in that or else you wouldn't have gone on to offer coaching. Sure. So any story that I'm sharing with you is stories of people that I coach that gave me permission to share their story. So I'm not sharing nobody's story without their permission. And I, I will share a handful of them. I had a client that came to me one day and he said, I had enough. And I say, you had enough of what? I say, I broke up with my girlfriend. I am done. I, and, and he was so angry. And I say, what happened? And he was so angry. It took him a couple minutes even to tell me what happened. And I say, I told her if she do it again, I'm breaking up with her. And I ask, what did she do? What did she do? Eventually say, she embarrassed me. And I said, okay. Now, this gentleman was in his mid-60s. 
And I said, okay, what's the, the big deal about being embarrassed? And his response was, everybody in the world hates to be embarrassed. And my response to him was a little bit joking. I say, I, I did not meet everybody in the world. I'm just working with you. What is your deal with being embarrassed? So we start working. He calmed down eventually. Then we did some meditation. We did some Reiki and then some more meditation. And, and, and as I shared with you earlier, I'm an archaeologist of the soul. Eventually, we were able to go back for him being five years old. And as a five years old, he was in, in the kindergarten and they were ready to walk home. At the time they walk home, they did, they did not have the buses. And he was jumping and the kindergarten teacher asked him, are you okay? Do you need to go to the restroom? And he say, he was embarrassed that she singled him out. And he say, no. Then they start, he starts walking home with the group of the kids. And obviously he did have to go to the restroom and probably about 10 or 20 feet outside of the kindergarten, he actually wet himself in his pants, had khaki pants. And you know what happened to khaki yeah. pants? Yeah. That he put yeah. one drop of water there. And he was terrified and he was embarrassed. And he said to himself at age five that he will never be embarrassed again. So from age five until age 65, wow. he lived in life to avoid being embarrassed. That's this a fear. Energy, okay. It's fear. It's a fear of being embarrassed. So earlier you asked, hey, there is more emotions. Yes, his on the surface was being embarrassed. But really what was the energy was is the energy of avoiding being embarrassed or the fear of being embarrassed. So this is, was the fear energy. So there was a lady that I was working with that she had a, she had a battle uh, with her ex-husband for child custody. And she, at that point, she lost every battle on court. And she called me a few minutes before she walked into the, into the court, all terrified. And she called me, she said, I really need help. I'm about to go into the court. I'm afraid I'm going to, because her ex-husband trying to make another legal move for the custody of the children. And if he would win at what he tried to do, that her fear was that he will win because he's been winning every legal battle that he actually was battling with her. And at that point, that she will probably will never have, be able to see her kids or very, very rarely to be able to see her kids. And she called me and, and, and she was terrified. And she said, what would they tell the judge? And what would they do? And I, I can't let him have it. I can't let him win. If he will do it, I will lose anything that I have with these kids. And we, we slow down. We breathe together. And I say, maybe instead of going to the judge and we work to the judge and tell him what you're afraid of, what else can you tell the judge about your kids? What do you love about your kids? What do you want your kids to be? What do you want the kids to have? Share with the judge the love that you have to do for the kids and really shift the energy of walking into the courtroom with afraid of losing the kids to the point of walking into the courtroom with the energy of loving the kids. Now, I cannot say that this is why she won, but this was the first case with her battling of her children custody that she actually won because she walked into the judge and she acknowledged all the time that she lost and she acknowledged everything that she lost and she acknowledged how much pain it's bringing her to losing, but how much she loved the kids. And the little that she had the kids and the little custody that she had with the kids, she wanted to keep because she loved her kids. And she was able to keep that. So when we're sourcing ourselves from love, everything is possible. Everything is open. Now for granted, I don't know what would happen if she would still go to court with the energy of fear, we, we don't know. The only thing that we can base on is that up until that point, she never won. 
That is powerful because that's very true. I think a lot of times, once again, we're talking about those, you know, she was always having a reaction versus actually making a choice. Do you feel like there are actionable steps that somebody can take today? Hopefully they just go out, you know, right after they listen to this podcast and they buy the book or they join one of your workshops or something like that. But do you feel like there's some quick actionable steps that people can take today to maybe, you know, help create better energy in their life and that would help them with better learning and, and move us towards actually making choices versus reactions? Ask yourself the question, how did you get here? I think this is the best advice that I can give anybody and be willing to be vulnerable to ourselves. Because if we are truly, truly to ourselves, and as I share my story, I've been, there's no stone that I left unturned and I'm being as open and, and as vulnerable as I can, is asking ourselves, how did we get here? It's the access for us to be able to start to go back and understand how did we get here. And as you were sharing and we were talking, then all of a sudden, like in our conversation, you say, oh, I thought that I made this choice, but actually now you can see that it was actually a fear-based reaction. And if we're asking ourselves, how did we get here? Then we can start looking deeper to everything and just being with zero judgment. The important part is not to be rough on ourselves and not to beat ourselves up about it because it's really, we had no control over it. This is a completely reaction from subconscious mind that we're just not aware of. But what, once we're taking a subconscious mind and make it a conscious mind, at that point, we can start doing that, work with that and can actually have breakthroughs, actually have doors that can open because it's stopped running our life and now we actually it's part of our life so how did i get here and the willingness to be vulnerable is the access to freedom have these two things look looking into our own life well and that's great i think that that's one reason why to get your book because uh, you ask a lot of questions and then you challenge them to do that reflection and i think i mean we even lie to ourselves right we tell ourselves like uh, no this was this person's fault or this happened because of that and we don't want to take full responsibility but i think that that's really key and crucial to making you know, like you said, until you acknowledge it, it stays in that subconscious versus when we finally acknowledge it, we can move it into our conscious mind and be aware of it and be working on it. That's great. Do you feel like as you do this work in this coaching, is this helping you kind of live closer to your life's mission? You talked about before, like you lived a lot, you had this entrepreneurial life all, you know, your whole life through that you weren't necessarily happy. Do you feel like you're kind of coming closer to that, that happiness that you had? This is my life purpose. <laughs> I see the smile on your face. You can see that in your reflection as well. You know, what are your long-term goals and how is this working into the legacy that you hope to leave with this life purpose? So my vision is to create an alternative healing center that will be a donation base, that people will be able to come there for a day or for a year if they can pay a dollar, they can pay a dollar. If they can't pay a dollar, don't pay a dollar. If they can pay a thousand, whatever people can afford to pay is to make sure that the people have a place to slow down, to come and have healthy food, have meditation, to have yoga, to have acupuncture, to have massage, to have anything that is available from the alternative way of healing our body and, and just slow down. And as of right now, this is my goal uh, it's probably we'll start with one location and then eventually we'll have multiple locations hopefully all over the world 
is to be able to support people to connect to their true self, to support them to heal their body, to heal their mind, to heal their soul. The book is a stepping stone in that mission. Well, and probably the workshops too, in that regard and working with you one-on-one. That's amazing. I would totally support that because, you know, mental health issues are kind of on the back burner in most societies and we don't put enough of our resources towards those. And then people end up in jail, they end up with broken marriages and families and they end up, you know what I mean? Like it just is like this spiraling thing for society. But if we can get to a place where, and I like the idea of of (laughs) donation-based, I'm all about that uh, versus, you know, it being a forced thing for sure. But do you have any final parting words for our listeners? And then give us your contact information so that we can find all of these resources that we've talked about. The final words, I would say, and it sounds really, really yappy, but life is a journey. And even if we're not aware that life is a journey, this is part of our journey. I lived most of my life not thinking and not aware that life is a journey. If I would listen to myself speaking today, 10 years ago, I would say, this guy lost his mind but they had to lose the mind that I had before to be able to find my mind. So even in the part of my life that I did not relate to life as a journey, this was part of my journey, not being aware that life is a journey. So life is a journey. If there is any destination in life is to enjoy and experience the journey. And I hope that whoever listened to this call today got some value out of our conversation today and was able to slow down for a little bit and look at their own life. I did not share anything about my life journey to share my story for you to feel in as any way about me. The reason that I share my story is for anybody that's listening to look at their own life and see, okay, where am I in my life operating from this source? Where am I can have some opening? Where can I have some doors that I can open to look and to live life freely? My commitment with everybody that I work with that once we're done working, that you have the ability to freely choose life. And as far as uh, connecting, I mean, they, you can go into the, the actual effect website. You, and this is a place that we can communicate to there. If, if you're looking to buy the book, you can go to, to Amazon to buy the book as well. And you also can reach me at uh, joelhulk.com. So I'm here to make a difference in people's life. I love that. What a powerful message. That's where I feel like there's value. If we can help people see that instead of, you know, until the next this happens or whatever, I'll be happy or until, you know, the next milestone in our life versus looking at life as a journey, I think that we can create a lot more happiness for ourselves just in that one phrase. So very powerful. Thank you. Again, we've been chatting with Joel Hoke. He is the author of The Eggshell Effect with the subtitle of My Journey from Fear, but he's willing to help you get through your journey of fear as well. You can find his resources on the eggshelleffect.com. Actually, eggshelleffect.com. There's no the, right? Correct. Okay, so eggshelleffects.com. But thank you so much, Joel, for coming on, sharing information from your book as well as your life. I really appreciate it. It's been a privilege sharing this time with you and sharing the time with your listeners. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Music featured in this episode from Scott Holmes. To learn more about our podcast, check us out at theluminousmind.net.